everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast. I'm your host, Jared Loman, Vice President of Customer Experience here at Kajabi. And today I am joined by my friend, Rick Mulready, business coach, online ad expert, and podcast host. How's it going today, Rick? Doing great, Jared. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. No, I, I am incredibly excited to have you here. I, I was taking a gander over your your homepage uh, a little bit prior to this, and like it's funny because number one, like your website almost contains the story arc of what our podcast t- traditionally covers. So like it's <laughs> yeah. like I got a really cool kind of heads up, and not only that, but there's a like a, a lot of meat there for you know a homepage. Like I'm excited to like to hear a little bit more um, about some of this content that you have. But to get started, we always kind of kind of traditionally start with like what's your kind of your 50- 15 second elevator pitch, if you will. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, it really is good to be here. I'm I'm truly honored that uh, uh, that you all reached out to have me here. And I've been doing this a long time. I'm coming up on eight years, which uh, is really... <laughs> it sounds like a long time. But in the grand scheme of things, it really isn't. But yeah, January 2022 will be, will be eight years. And for several years, I was, quote unquote, the Facebook ads guy. And then a few years ago, I started branching out and just talking about other pieces of online business in addition addition to ads because ads are just one piece of the puzzle. So now I coach. They're a little bit more advanced online course creators and coaches. They're doing at least 7 to 8K per month in their business from their online business. And I help them and my team helps them create uh, more profit, bigger impact without all the hustle, with less hustle because we are not about the hustle. And so, and we do that in a variety of different ways. And ads are certainly one piece of the puzzle. But especially here in the latter part of 2021, with the state of Facebook and Instagram ads this year, you know, people are diversifying their traffic and wanting to look at different ways, like podcasting, for example. So, yeah, that's the little bit longer than fifteen second version of uh, of what I do. No, I love it, and and I particularly like, you know, there's there's been all of this fuss over, uh, and maybe I'm a little bit out of date, but like over the the hustle, the hustle, and it's all about about diving into it, and you you're, you're kind of taking up a counter stance to that, which is which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, and and the really the reason for it is I've been there on the burnout front. I've gone through burnout probably, prob- definitely twice over the past almost eight years, and on the verge a third time. And it's just what is possible. And so what I like to say, so I have my accelerator coaching program is where we coach our students, and it's twenty five hours a week or less that you can absolutely have a successful business twenty five hours a week or less. Now. Do you start out right there? No, but you can work towards that, and it's absolutely possible to have a very successful business. You know, working that many hours. There's so many. You know, the whole hustle culture in my mind is extremely toxic. From a mental health, from a physical health, relationship health, it's just really not necessary. And you know, it's like, well, you have to work this much in order to have a successful business. Well, is that true? No, because I can share plenty of examples, myself included, where that's absolutely not true that you don't have to work, you know, whatever, 14, 16 hours a day. I literally just got off a coaching call earlier, brand new member of our program. She's working 60 to 80 hours a week right now. And I looked at her schedule. I was like, holy, I don't know how you do this. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's just not necessary. And the more and more people that come into our world, if you will, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's in the program or not, it's, I'm so tired of feeling the way I do in my business. They lose interest in the business. 
this, you know, it just affects everything is because they're working so much and they just want a solution to be able to grow their business while working fewer hours. Yeah. Well, I think let's, let's go kind of back to the genesis of this because I, I noticed that like, I think there's a part of your story that ultimately I think burnout maybe started even prior to you jumping into this world. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I come from the corporate background. I've been, do- I left the corporate world. Not that I remember this exactly, but September 30th, 2012. <laughs> It was a Friday. <laughs> but yeah, I was in online marketing. I was in online ad sales for years working with big brands. But even before that, when I was a kid, I'll never forget one day I was sitting in... So I grew up in New Hampshire. I was sitting in our, our um, where my mom lives now, my living room, watching some TV or something like that. And my dad was an auto mechanic. He worked on cars and trucks and equipment and stuff like that. At um, uh, He was a civilian employee at a naval shipyard in Southern Maine. And he used to work... The time I'm remembering this, he was working second shift, I think it was, and he would get home. I think that's what his maybe his first shift. I don't know, but he got. I remember him coming in late in the afternoon, and he was all hunched over. He was lit, like physically hunched over, and he just looked like he had his, you know, he had his um his little igloo lunchbox thing that he took to work every day, and he was just in physical pain, and he was so miserable from being hunched over, like you know, just the physical uh, impact on his body, but. Also, he was so unhappy with with that. And my dad passed away when he was 55 from colon cancer. And the the 10 years he was diagnosed at 45. So 10 years he was sick. During that time, th- there was a ton of talk about the government shutting down that shipyard. So my dad thought he was going to be losing his job. He worked so hard. He worked long hours, you know, bent, like again, over trucks, in trucks, under underneath cars, whatever it might be. So it was physically demanding. But just seeing the emotional toll that of his working where he was working and the stress that the possibility of that going away caused him, it I firmly believe to this day that it shortened his life because of the stress and everything like that. And so what I saw as a kid, and I have, I'm the middle child, I have two sisters. What we saw as kids was it's, you know, you're only gonna, it's about hard work. You know, it money doesn't grow on trees. You know, there's us and them sort of thing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, m- making money is hard. That's what I saw growing up. And so since becoming a dad, I, I, my daughter will be three in a couple months here. I want to show her that that doesn't have to be the case, that you can have a huge impact in the world, make a lot of money in the process, and just having a situation where you get to grow a business where you don't have to work as many hours that it's not a hard thing to or or I mean it's it's not I'm not saying it's easy right to to make money of course. but it's not a case of I want to be an example for her where it's not like oh money money doesn't grow on trees you know what I mean I want to set a different example and be a different example for her than what my sisters and I were brought up in and that's really a big mission of my business is to be able to be that example for other people so that they can change maybe you know their kids outlook on different things because they see mom or dad or whomever you know being that example for them and that's really why we do what we do is to be able to show people that it's possible and then obviously coach them and show them how to do it i love your why i i love the the meaning behind why you do what you do that that's so cool so uh, tell us a little bit more about like what that like what that sort of transition looked like for you coming from the corporate world i think that why i mean i don't know if you, this was 
was over eight years ago. So the kid wasn't yeah. present yet. Correct. Yeah. The why didn't really take shape, honestly, if I'm being completely honest and authentic, like up until probably like four years ago, three years, right before she was born, honestly, because when I left the corporate world, the reason I wanted to leave was because I was tired of doing what I was doing. I was complete. My success was completely contingent on these junior media, media buyers at these ad agencies and stuff like that. And I just, I wanted to control my own time. I wanted to, to just basically be more in control of when I worked, how I worked, all that stuff. It was pretty much what everyone who wants to start their own business tends to gravitate towards as to their why. And my why for many years was I want to make a lot of money. Like, you know, and there and and even people like that come into my program, for example, and if that's their goal, I have there's no there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's like, okay, cool. Right. And but just be clear on why you want to do that. So for me, it was like, this is my quote unquote job now. I need to figure out how to replace the income that I was making in the corporate world because I was making a lot of money in the corporate world as a salesperson selling online advertising. And I was where I'd worked for Yahoo, AOL, Funny or Die, um, a contextual advertising platform. And so that was really my why for the first. I was like, I want to make seven figures because that's what everyone talks about as the definition of success. Like you've made it when you hit seven figures, which is totally BS, right? But that was my goal. And I, I chased it. I was chasing somebody else's version of success. And in doing that, I went through my first burnout because I was chasing this and I really had I really had no idea what I was doing, you know, especially you mentioned the transition from corporate to online. Well, I finished the end of September 2012. And then I was like, I'm and I'm using air quotes, like I'm an online entrepreneur, right? And at the time, I had been teaching myself Facebook ads since 2010. I had been running Facebook ads for some friends who had businesses. I created a little ebook. I sold, I think I sold two of them for $47, right? Nice. And so, but I remember. Remember where I was when I when I made that first sale, and so that's what I was going to do. I was going to manage Facebook ads for other businesses and create what I thought was going to be an information product, right? But I truly had no idea what I was doing, and I started a podcast in 2013 because why not, <laughs> right? Like, okay, let's start a podcast, and this wasn't working. Like the whole Facebook ads thing wasn't working for me as a sustainable business. So I was like, oh, you know what? Why don't I have this corporate background and I understand what, you know, how to quote unquote speak big brand, but I also want to appeal to smaller businesses. So I started a podcast called Inside Social Media, where I interviewed heads of social media for big brands like Ford and McDonald's and JetBlue and Lowe's and all this other stuff. And the whole idea was let's talk to them, see what they're doing, and break it down in such a way that small businesses could follow that or, or try something like that. And it was a lot of fun. I I only did 53 episodes, but I was still wasn't making any money because I was I didn't know I, I didn't know what I was doing. So then I started to get in January of 2014, started to get some coaching and stuff, and it was like it made me really look in the mirror and say, "Why am I not making any money? I'm not selling anything. I literally had nothing to sell." And so anyway, so then it started to okay, let's hone this down. What do I want to focus on selling? It became Facebook ads. I created an online course January 2014. I started creating the course, but then sort of slowed down, say, you know what? I want to sell this before I create it because if nobody buys it, I've just wasted my time. And it was either February 6th or February 8th of 2014 
when I did my very first webinar. No idea what I was doing. I was terrible at it. But I did $30,000 in 45 days. Just because I got... I used Facebook ads to send people to a webinar. This is the, the good old days when you could do that for a couple dollars right? And per lead. And I got people to register for the webinar and then made sales on it. I was like, okay, now I got to create the course. So I just basically created it by module and delivered it weekly. And then by the end of... I think it was 6 weeks, I had a course. And I was like, oh, I just did 30 grand in 45 days. Let's keep going here. And so anyway, it was just chasing the money. And that's because I was like, I got to chase 7 figures. And I was fortunate enough to hit it in 4 years, which is very grateful for, for being able to do that. And this sounds kind of weird, but like I hit 7 figures and I was like, okay, that's awesome. But now what? Right? <laughs> and that sounds terrible, but it's like, yeah, I just achieved a goal. But like, all right, now what? Yeah. The thing that really got me though, and what I really kind of happened over the next year or two was what I had to go through in order to hit 7 figures. Years because my mental health suffered, my physical health suffered, my relationship suffered with my with my wife, and but that's what my what in my brain that's what my brain was saying that I had to to do and had to feel like in order to hit that those dollar figures, and so my my revenue dropped for the next couple of years because I was fighting that. I was like, I don't want to go back to that, and so then after that, then it became you know my my wife got pregnant, things started to shift, and like my why became more clear, processed, and worked on the whole like I have to do I have to feel this way if I want to make this much money, which is completely not true, and that's when things really started to take off again, and. That's where I was like, okay, I wanna, I wanna help other people and be an example of for other people, showing them what's possible based on what we talked about earlier. So I'm just taking like a little bit of insight that I got from your website. Like it sounds like your philosophy is is somewhat revolved around like actually just eliminating the excess and focusing in on these key areas. Is that Yeah. I mean, you all know this super well. Like seeing, you know, seeing the it, it, having stats and stuff like that from users and everything like that. My big thing is one of the issues that I went through was I equated more revenue with I have to have more offers. More courses, more memberships, more coaching programs, what have you. And I was in a mastermind several years ago and I'll never forget standing up in front of them. We're in New York City for for a mastermind. I said, I need help stripping, simplifying this business, stripping it down because I had three courses. And again, I was all Facebook ads. So I had a Facebook ads course for online course creators and coaches. I had a Facebook ads course course for local businesses because somebody said, Oh, you should do this. And I was like, sure, why not? Why not? And then it, then I had a course for Facebook ad managers. I had a membership at the time. And then I had a coaching program. So I had like five different offers with very different audiences. So it just it added so much complexity to the business. And was it making some more money? Yes, but it was rather nominal. But the process that was in the business and what I was doing in order to hit those revenue numbers, I was I was I was all over the place because I'm speaking to this audience over here and I'm speaking to this audience over here. And by the way, by that time in 2015 and June, I believe it was in 2015, I had stopped the other podcast and I started the art of paid traffic. So then again, it was really what it was about. It was paid traffic. It was Facebook ads. And it was the first podcast on strictly paid traffic on Facebook ads was primarily the discussion. But then we're talking, you know, I also mixed in other episodes, you know, like YouTube ads and what have you. 
And then as we went along, you know, other podcasts started popping up because the show was really successful because there wasn't anything like it. And so now this folk, this gave me a platform to market my courses. But again, one episode I'm talking to Facebook ad managers, another episode I'm talking to local businesses, another episode I'm talking about, you know, to online course creators. And it just became so muddled that I was like, this is not what I want long term. Let's simplify it. And so over the next few years, and up until actually year, uh, a year ago from when we're recording this, I, I got down to two courses, two programs, I should say. And it just made things so much simpler. I was serving one audience who, that it's online course creators and coaches. And I, at the time last year, I had two offers for them. I had my more advanced program, Accelerator, and then my lower level program, quote unquote, at the time was Offer to Optimize. And so, and, and I'm now all in on Accelerator. The simplification of that is one message, meaning I'm speaking to one audience and I can solve their problems for one audience, you know, one offer. And it just keeps things so much simpler. What a lot of people do is they think, okay, I've gotten my online course to, let's just say, $100,000 and or $50,000. And then they start saying, well, I should add a membership, right? That's see it all the time. And inevitably, if I'm talking to that person about it, it's like, okay, why do you want to do a membership? And Jared, you know that that the this is the answer to this nine times out of ten is I want reoccurring revenue, right? It's not about what the what the purpose of the membership is in the business. It's just about reoccurring revenue, which is amazing, right? But instead of doing that, why don't we focus our efforts on the flagship offer? Let's just say it's whatever, $497, $997, whatever the price point is. Let's focus on selling that and then getting that to, let's just say, half a million dollars or a million dollars, whatever. Then if you want to add in something else, like a coaching program, higher level, whatever. What happens though in that in that process is like as they're growing, it's shiny object. It's like squirrel over here. I want to do this. Or I want to do this. Well, this sounds cool. And what that does is it distracts us from the main thing of focusing on our one offer. Let's say that we know that it converts, but yet, oh, this sounds fun. Let's try this. And that diversion of attention, if you will, takes us off growing this one offer. And that's really the key because it's simplification of the business simplifies uh, your offer, obviously, your audience, your messaging, uh, your content, uh, your team. It simplifies everything. And it also shows what's possible through the simplification of your business. Rick, you are speaking to me. I've got embarrassing piles of entrepreneurial projects like in my desk care from magazines to like TV show cuts to everything in between. And like, I think you you called it out like a simplification, probably the reason why none of these things took off or, or reached their fullest potential was because it was too many things. It was on to the next, you know, shiny object. And it's, I mean, we're entrepreneurs, so it's super common, right? It's like, oh, I want to try all these things. But what a lot of people don't do, and especially if somebody's very early in their business and they're really trying to gain traction with their offer, let's just say it's an online course, they don't commit to it for any period of time. They might say, oh, I did this for two months or three months and I'm not getting... Well, that's that's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. You got to commit to this. And so what happens is when they... when If they're not getting sales like they want to, they're like, oh, I got to try a membership. And so they shift over to the membership. And it's just... Again, it's like that shift that you got to commit to something. 
obviously going to validate validate your offer, validate your idea. But once you validate it, commit to it. Don't be jumping all over the place, you know. And yeah, what you just said, Jared, is super common, but a huge reason what keeps people um, keeps their growth much slower because their attention is in so many different directions. Yeah. Well, I'd love to take a moment just to, uh, this is partially selfish, but also like, I think it's selfish in a good way because our, our, our listeners too, like, I think there's probably several who either have started a podcast, considering starting a podcast. You have a very successful podcast. We're here on a podcast for mm-hmm. a moment of inception, like talking through that kind of like sticking with it and pushing through, like, what would you say is key for someone who's considering starting a podcast? I, knowing that, you know, we're right there in that same boat with our, our prospective customers starting something out. I think the first thing that the, the inevitable question I get from people is, like, is it too late to start a podcast? Right. And no, the answer is the answer is no. Podcasting is, I mean, frankly, it's fascinating, especially in the past year about how much it's changed and how much it's changing. And so to answer that question, absolutely not too late to start a podcast. The other big benefit of having a podcast and if someone somebody always wants to create a, obviously a successful podcast, now that is subjective. Like, What does that mean? But the more that you can niche down and speak to a specific audience about a specific niche or topic or what have you, that is really... Because you can have a, an uber successful podcast podcast at you know whatever uh, thousand downloads a month or something like that for example because maybe you're selling whatever maybe you're maybe you're selling a coaching program or maybe you're selling whatever might be it's about how engaged is that audience you know it's the whole a thousand true fans you know that that uh, we've been hearing for years that's what it's about right if you get the right audience you don't need massive numbers everybody always wants massive numbers myself included but if we're speaking to our audience then that's what it's about, right? And so with that, we were talking about this before we started recording. Here in 2021, it's video, about video. So most people think, okay, podcasts, I'm going to go listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or what have you. 100%, yes, audio for sure. But just like like we're doing here, like flip the camera on and just start hitting record. It doesn't have to be fancy or anything like that. But when you can take the video portion or the video content of the podcast and clean it up a little bit maybe put it put a uh, you know a bumper on the front and the end maybe that goes on YouTube maybe that gets cut up if you will into little highlights say it's you know you get 2 minute highlights or what have you like a great clip that you can put on social media that you take maybe it's like a 4 to 6 minute highlight about a specific topic and then that goes on YouTube for example and so and then it's transcribed and that transcription can be turned into a blog post. It's basically taking your your primary piece of content in this in this case here a podcast and leveraging it into different forms of media so that people can consume it however they prefer to consume content. And so in the past it's always just been audio, always just been audio. And that's not going anywhere. It's extremely passive. People can listen to it on walks or whatever, but when you add in the the video element to it, everything's going video, right? And so it is not hard to do because when we take away, I'm a, I want to say recovering perfectionist, but I still, still creeps up a lot. But when we can remove that and just be like, you know what, I'm just going to turn on the pod, turn on the camera and start recording and then maybe clean up slightly, get it into like a podcast, I've created a podcast channel on YouTube, for example, it's going to live there. 
right? And so it's just about creating different pieces of or different forms of that podcast so that people can consume it. And then obviously letting people know about it, your email list, uh, social media, uh, maybe running ads, etc. And by the way, your video looks absolutely superb and stellar. You must have. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is not, uh, this is literally just this year. So it took me okay. seven years to get here. But yeah, I took the plunge because for this exact reason that we're talking yeah. about here is like, all right, we're going to take video more seriously. We're going to be recording podcasts. I'm starting a YouTube channel for, you know, quote unquote, YouTube specific videos. So it's like, all right, let's up the game a little bit on the camera, the lens, and all that stuff. <laughs> That's great. So you start this process kind of uh, it sounds like to to get yourself out of the hustle to get over the burnout you went through a, additional stages of burnout even within this process what was your aha moment like when did you realize like this is it um, or was there ever a moment that like this wasn't it like did you ever kind of teeter on the edge of going back to where you were Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say in year... When was that? So we started in 2014. In year two... Yeah, 2015. Was working nonstop. Was working all day. I was working in the evenings. And just because I, I really didn't know how to run a business at that time, I didn't know about how to be, a, you know, how to hire people, how to, you know, be a leader for them. I was very, because of the whole money mindset that, that we were talking about earlier, I was very much in the, I don't want to spend it on hiring people, you know, um, because, you know, like I was holding on to it so tight. And so I was just doing so much. And that I, I burned out. I'll never forget. So I have eczema. So I was born, I have asthma, I have eczema, I've had it my entire life. And when I get stressed or overtired, my eczema tends to flare up. And so I'll never forget one day, it was in our first apartment here in San Diego after we moved down here from LA. My wife and I were in a super small apartment. And I just said to her, like, I can't do this anymore. And she just thought, you know, like, I got to stop for the day or something like that. And I had gotten so low, I was like, no, no, no. I don't know if I want to do any of this. Meaning like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know whether I even want to be here anymore. I got really dark. And so it was at that point where I was like, well, number one, I had to figure out I, I needed to get through that. And my wife was super, super helpful in with that. After that, once I started to get through it, then it was like, do I really want this? Like, why not go back to corporate? You know, for, it's like, okay, it's nine to five when, or nine to six. Once your day is done at work, it's done, right? You can just leave it there where it's different. We know as entrepreneurs, it's like you kind of never shut off. And so that seemed like an easier answer. But at the same time, what I was struggling with was like, I knew that I wasn't going to be... Once I made the commitment to keep going, I knew that I wasn't going to be successful in the business if I still had a um, you know hypothetical, if you will, foot in the one foot in and one foot out. Like my one foot was in the entrepreneurial business. The other foot was sort of like, well, I can go back to corporate. So it wasn't until I made that commitment, you know what? I'm not going back. You know, and nothing against it. Like I, I did enjoy it for a long time, but I just realized it wasn't for me. Like I hate being told what to do, for example. <laughs> you know, as just so many people do. But like once I made that commitment, like, all right, I'm going I forget what the I forget who wrote the the there's like a poem. It's about like cutting the ties of the boat. Like the boat's tied to the to the dock or whatever, and it's like you got to cut. The, I forget. I'm butchering it right now, but like it's like cutting the cutting the tie, setting the boat free, and that's what that was about for me. It was like, all right, I need to commit to this, 
Because if as long as I still back and forth in my mind, I go back and like, well, I could do that. You still play it safe and you don't fully commit to your online business. Once I did that, then things were like, okay, I'm not going back. This is what I'm going to be doing. And the other, the other shift for that, Jared, was I always thought that corporate was more secure from a business standpoint. Like, oh, that's, I have a secure job. Right. And then I've learned, and it took me several years to learn it, but I was like, I could walk in on a Thursday and they could say, you're done. Like, we're cutting back. You're done. Unfortunately, your position is being cut and your last day is tomorrow. And then what? So, like, you really, it's like that security is just, you know, it's, it's, you don't have that security. Whereas your online business is you have security because you are fully responsible for your results. Yeah. And once I realized that again, it was like, okay, I'm fully committed to this. I'm going all in on this and I'm going to see where this goes. So I think our, our listeners know this. This is not in any way a Kajabi pitch fest. I didn't like prep you for this, but I'm, I'm really interested. Like where did, where did Kajabi come into the picture for you throughout this journey? Yeah, I don't even remember who I was using first. Where I, I don't even remember where I, I hosted my first. I'll take that as a good thing. Yeah, like I honestly don't remember. And then I started hearing about about Kajabi, and it was actually when you when you all first started. What year? What year was that? About almost eleven years ago. Like to the day that we're recording, like almost eleven years ago. So maybe it was. Maybe that's why I don't remember. Maybe I did start right out with Kajabi, and yeah. I remember that you all had like a you had like a really low rate for the year. And that you could get locked into that. And I was like, well, I'm taking this seriously. I need some way. And so that was the primary reason that I went with Kajabi was because number one, it was doing everything that I needed at the time. Meaning like all I really wanted at that time was I need a place to house my my courses and make it super easy for people to log in and consume the content. Obviously, Kajabi is so much more today than it was 8 years sure. ago. So Six, yeah, eight years ago. However, that's what I needed to do, and it was like, oh, this is super easy because you know, even today, people are like, like it makes my, it makes me cringe when when people join my join my program and I, I start talking to them and they're like, oh yeah, we we had a we had a developer create this thing for us, and I was like, wait, this is a new program that you're adding to your to your <laughs> to your business. Like, you don't even know if people are going to buy it. Like, why are you spending all this money for like? There's there's out of the box solutions like Kajabi, for example that can be used for this, why not do that? Right. And so that was really the benefit for me was like, here's an out of the box solution for exactly what I need at the time. And so let's make it easy. And nice. let's make it easy for people to consume the the course I'm creating and selling. Yeah. So let's just assume for a moment that all of our listeners are, are a, a significant portion of them. They're they're considering this journey. They're 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 having these entrepreneurial ideas and thoughts. And what is it like? What has changed for you as a result of you persisting through making this decision? Like, what would you want your let's just say ten years ago self to know? Like, like I would assume a lot of our listeners are kind of in a similar state. Yeah, I mean, just just know that you have to be in it for the long. You have to be playing the long game. This is not like an overnight thing you hear all these stories about like oh so and so made you know a million dollars or they have or they're getting all these downloads on the podcast or you know they have a million subscribers on YouTube what we don't hear is I call it like the iceberg metaphor we only see what's going on above the water we don't see what's either going on below the water or gone on below the water right to to get to this point and so I mean absolutely I would say play the long game like this is not an overnight thing you have to make that commitment
commitment that, like I said earlier, but just from a business standpoint, make that commitment that this is something I'm going to take seriously and go all in on. Now I say go all in on meaning, yeah, it could be a side hustle, but it's not like when I say go all in on this, like the side hustle of the business, it's, it's like, all right, I'm not going to give this just three months or six months. Like, no, if I'm starting a podcast, for example, it's going to take time, right? You know, we have a lot of downloads for the show, but I've been podcasting for this specific podcast. I mean, I changed the name a few years ago to the art of online business, but it, it, we've been, I've been doing it a long time. You know, I've been doing it since 2015 now. And so it's just, it's the long game. Be very specific on who you want to serve. Uh, my very first coach back in early, actually it was end of 20. No, I take that back. This was early. This was like 2010 when I hired an online coach. And I remember, I never forget, I paid him 500 bucks a month. And the one of the, I was like, what do I, like, I don't, I want to do an online business, but I have no idea what that could be. I'll never forget. He said, well, if you could help me tomorrow with something, what would that look like? And so then it was naturally like, oh, ads, Facebook ads. And so look at who do you want to serve? And what specific problem or problems can you uniquely help them with? And then it's again, it's it's like, okay, then it becomes the journey. It's not easy. It's a lot of work. I'm not saying that. It's like, yeah, you might have to hustle at first. You very likely are going to. But the idea of this is all it is, is hustle is completely false. You are going to have to... You're going to have to get your name out there. You're going to have to start to meet people. You're going to start to build an email list. And obviously, when you start to sell something is don't create it until you sell it. Right? So identify, again, who it's for, what problem are you solving? And then what is the what is this program that you're creating if it's an online Online course, what is the promise of that course? What is the solution that you're providing? Come up with an outline of what that looks like of the course. And that's what you sell. You're basically selling the idea of this. And then once people pay, I think I, I sold mine on a Thursday was a webinar. And my following the following Monday, not the, like a couple of days later, but the following Monday was going to be my first training. And I was like, nothing lights a fire as in people have bought this and paid a lot of money for it. I got to deliver, you know? And so it's validate the idea first before you go in spending all this time on creating. And, you know, once you start doing that and start to create momentum, that's where things, but it's, it's with that momentum, you have to have patience. That's why I'm always talking about 80% of the success of your business is mindset. If we don't have the right mindset or we're prone to giving up, we're prone to get, you know, whatever it might be, it is not going. You can do all the best funnels and ads and all this other stuff. That's well and good, but you've got to have the right mindset first and foremost. And so once you get that going, you're creating a consistent content strategy like we talked about, whether it's podcast or YouTube or whatever it might be. Now you're starting to put that, put something together for the long game and you're starting to create momentum. And then the last thing I'll say in this, Jared, is that so many people, once they find something that works, they want to do it again, but they think they have to like blow it all up and start from scratch, right? They're like, oh, I did this, whatever, four months ago. I can't, I had to create something new. No, it's rinse and repeat. Do more of what works. I always say, like, just do more of what works. 
and be tracking everything. I mean, you can go into a whole other that that would be hours more of a conversation, but like track everything you're doing in your business and let the data dictate what next steps that you take. Because so many people make decisions on emotion, but yet like let the data tell you. And the data is neutral, doesn't mean anything unless the meaning that you give it. It's like, oh my whatever webinar conversion rate wasn't wasn't very good. Okay, no problem. Look at why that was the case. And so anyway, it's putting that all together and realizing that it's it's a journey and that you're in it for the long game and it's kind of taking it step by step by step. I love that. Yeah. And, and I say this because I've been there so many times and done this so many times, but like the, the logos and the business cards and the websites and buying the equipment is like, that's all the, that's the glamorous, the fun part. But in the end, yeah. like unless you have product market fit, unless you validated that idea, yeah. you don't, <laughs> the equipment and the business cards don't mean anything. Thing. Yeah, and most people. You mentioned my my website. Like that's the nicest website I've ever had, and yeah. I just had that designed in October of 2020. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so seven years into the business, and I'd been through different iterations of the website, but it was terrible. It was awful. And so I'm so glad you bring that up, Jared, because it's like it is not about that stuff. It is about who you serve and and the problem that you can solve for them, and proving that you can solve it to them. I have plenty of students with the worst websites in the world, but they have, you know, seven figure businesses. It's not and I've seen this time and time again. You're right. It's not about the peripherals. You know, we talked about recording your podcast episode. If you're doing that, if all you have, quote unquote, is the camera on your laptop, that's completely fine. Go for it. Right. If all you have for the microphone is like your earbuds for your phone or whatever, okay, cool. Use it. It's you don't have to start with all these big things. It is completely not necessary. Well, for anyone who's interested in kind of learning a little bit more about you, getting a hold of you, you have the podcast. Uh, let's, uh, I guess, give everyone where, where should they find you? Yeah. I mean, the podcast is the best place to start. We're on episode, I think today we published 538 wow. of the show. So there's 538 episodes of free content that people can go learn more about, you know, how I teach, what I teach about, just get more of a sense of me personally and stuff like that. It's called The Art of Online Business. And um, love for people to connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Rick Mulready. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, Jared, my website, rickmulready.com. They can go over there. I have a quiz on the site. The name right now, I don't like the name. I'm going to change it. But it's basically helps you figure out where you're at in your business. And because I've been doing this for so long, I pretty much know the types of challenges that you're facing at a specific stage in your business. So the quiz helps you identify that. And then I give you a three-step action plan for exactly where you're at in your business. And that's over on the website too. I love it. That's awesome. Um, I'm looking forward hopefully we've we haven't had a repeat guest yet but we're only on you know we're only not even up to episode 100 yet i'm hoping yeah. for like by the time we hit 500 like we can have like a celebratory like i'll feel like we've we've hit it and we'll bring you totally. back on yeah i would love that in the meantime what is uh what is your key to the 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 reviews uh, i'd love to just hear this in real time the key the key to getting reviews yeah um asking all right <laughs> i mean it literally is asking a lot of people think because so many people are trying to figure out the algorithm, right? For for Apple and Spotify. I think like the reality in this day right now, here we are in October of 2021, the search functionality 
on Apple Podcasts is terrible, right? The ability to to find a podcast that is not like in the top 200 shows is really is way different than it used to be. Even on Spotify, like Spotify is becoming the platform for podcasts now. The discoverability isn't really great. And Amazon's getting into the podcasting game and all this other stuff. So reviews are great, absolutely, because it adds credibility to to your show. Simply ask. You know, you can do a little contest where it's like, hey, take Take a screenshot of you listening to the phone uh, on your phone. Take a screenshot of you know your review, and you know you know we're going to choose somebody each month for with a Kajabi backpack or something like that. You know, so yeah, I, it's literally literally is just asking. You can gamify it, but it really is about subscribers. How is getting people to subscribe to the show so that when you put out a new episode, they get notified like, hey, there's a new episode here. Make sure you listen. And so it's subscribers and recency of action. So when you get to combine new people subscribe again, this is asking like reaching out to the Kajabi audience and, and um, the community and saying, Hey, do you know, we have, we have a podcast for those of you who don't know, check it out. You can check it out on all your platforms. Make sure all the where podcasts you listen to, make sure that you subscribe or follow the show. So that you, you don't miss any episodes. And Oh, by the way, take a screenshot of you listening, tag us, and we're going to choose one winner at random, you know, whatever frequency that you want. But it really is about subscribers, recency of action, meaning downloads, ratings, reviews, usually within like a 48-hour time period, if you will. And and also create a landing page in Kajabi that you can build your email list with. You're leveraging your email list to get people to subscribe to the show, to get people to, hey, have you checked out such and such episode? Make sure you go listen to it, click subscribe, and we'd love us, we'd love a rating review while you're over there. It's super helpful for the show. I'm going to do every single one of these things, Rick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is great. I, I think it will hopefully also be really helpful to any of our listeners who are considering starting a podcast as well. Um, and I'm actually going to do a little bit of this in real time. Like I'd love for all of our listeners, if you haven't left us a, rev- a review at bare minimum, I'd love to be able to just call you out on the show, mention your name, give you a thank you, leave us a review. Would love to um, at least shout you out and we'll definitely work on uh, pulling together some of those perks as well. I think that's a cool idea, Rick. And one thing will be helpful too, Jared, is that we, we often assume as podcast podcasters that people know how to do it, know how to subscribe and know how to leave a rating review. But again, the platforms change so frequently. You know, on Spotify, it's follow a show. On Apple Podcasts, it's subscribe. And it's like, okay, now where do I find how to leave a rating review? Like if we can just do like a quick, quick like little screen screen capture of how to do it, that's super helpful too to show people, all right, do this step one, step two, boom, done. Takes you literally 90 seconds to do it. This is gold, my friend. This is gold. <laughs> and we, we saved it all for the end. Uh, we'll have to make sure people make it make their way to the end of the podcast uh, to hear, hear the best of it. No, it was all really great. want to thank you once again, Rick, for joining us today. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate that. Yes. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you once again for joining us on the Kajabi Edge podcast. We will see you all next week.